Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today for our feature on female chairpersons of portfolio committees in Parliament is Ms. Judy Hermans from the African National Congress, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition. For some background, in South Africa, Parliament comprises of two houses, the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces, whose members are elected by the people of South Africa. The National Assembly then goes on to appoint from amongst its members several portfolio committees who shadow the work of various national government departments. Welcome to the show, Ms. Hermans. Thank you very much uh, to you and your listeners, and thank you for this opportunity for me to share my few humble thoughts with you. In consideration of the portfolio which you chair, I'd like to commence with a quote from David Cameron, who was the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, who said, the economy is the start and end of everything. You can't have successful education reform or any other reform if you don't have a strong economy. Now, COVID-19 has had a significant and unfortunately an enduring negative impact on both the economy and society. Reflecting for a moment on some recent statistics from Stats SA, in the second quarter of 2022, only four industries were at their pre-pandemic levels of production. So this is going back to 2019. But industries like catering, accommodation, construction, manufacturing, unfortunately, still haven't recovered. The Department of Trade, Industry and Competition's vision is to create a dynamic, industrial, globally competitive South African economy, which is characterized by meaningful economic transformation, inclusive growth and development, decent employment and equity built on the full potential of all citizens. So with that said, please tell us more about the priority focal points of the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition that have uh, potentially targets that really relate to girls and women. Thank you. Um, what we have discovered during the COVID-19 pandemic, the recent unrest and floods in South Africa, is that these events force us to confront the way we operate. We learned that we need to be more responsive and agile and that we need to build more resilient supply chains and greater industrial resilience. In fact, in the absence of economic justice, places the burden of climate change, social and geopolitical disruptions on those in society that can least afford to shoulder these burdens. We need to build an inclusive economy that can create jobs and opportunities for young people and women so that we share rather than concentrate wealth in our economy. So in 2020, Cabinet approved a policy of 40% of public procurement that should go to women-owned businesses. Uh, several departments have started on this policy and are making progress, but obviously it is not equal across all uh, departments. So in uh, DTIC, the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition, we have an entity which we call 
two entities that we call development funding institutions, DFIs. So one of them is the National Empowerment Fund. And it has a particular focus on growing the gender dividend. So the NEF says, the National Empowerment Fund says that they have come to know that women-owned businesses are more likely to succeed because they are more focused, they're more driven and true to their dreams. In fact, they established a women empowerment fund within NEF in 2014. The other DFI is the Industrial Development Corporation, who also has a woman entrepreneurial fund with funding up to 30 million per transaction. So there is work that's being done across entities within the DTIC stable to empower consciously and through policy and legislation empower women. Thinking about the procurement policy for a moment, it's now at 40% as, as an ideal. What was it before? I don't know, quite frankly, what it was before. But obviously, I think there was no onus on departments to procure from women. So it's sort of focusing and making sure that women are empowered through government procurement. By creating that target, it does put an emphasis on something that needs to be reached, that we've got a a measurable criteria in place. Yeah, I think uh, um, the Department of Women, Children and People with Disabilities get regular reports from departments on the spend for women. But it would be good to track it and to see which departments are underperforming, which are reaching and exceeding their target, you know, so that we can put pressure where it's needed. And also looking at where that procurement comes from, hard skills versus soft skills. Like catering, yeah. Yes, it would be good to explore, you know, those nitty gritties to see where it is that we need to put pressure. Obviously, the economy is a fundamental part of society and we completely rely on it. Thinking for a moment within the parliamentary space, do you feel that there's enough representation of women in your current portfolio committee and are their voices heard? I don't think there's adequate uh, representation of women in this portfolio committee. And I think most uh, portfolio committees across government, because we are 11 members with three women. And I think the problem is that we don't have gender parity across political parties. We have it in the ANC, so we have more women, because 50% of people who go to parliament of the list is women. So not all parties have those policies. So what the result is that all the other parties that are on the portfolio committee have men as representatives. So what the result is that the woman's voice is reduced to those three women out of 11 in the portfolio committee. So with this underrepresentation, I mean, it does speak to the fact that the ANC has had this well-established policy and practice in place of 50-50 gender representation. And I think it's almost known as the zebra in yeah. African National Congress lingo. Um, that that really helps from a diversity point of view. It does, because you find that in the list process, 
the portion on a list that can't be touched, with, which is normally the top 10%, you'll find that they, there's men. But because of gender parity, the people after the 10% must then be women in order to, to make sure that those who have a chance of going into parliament, there's gender parity in that. So I think it's, it's, it's something that I've heard before that there was uh, people speaking about legislation too, because I think in other governments, there's legislation that forces everybody to have gender parity, but not in South Africa. It's optional, you know, so maybe it's something that we can advocate for and work towards, you know, to make sure that we have a law in South African jurisprudence that speaks about uh, gender parity for all political parties. It's an interesting idea. Today, we're talking to Ms. Judy Hermans, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition. She is a Member of Parliament and represents the African National Congress. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Can you tell us a few of the responsibilities that come with your role as a, being a Member of Parliament as well as heading up such an important Portfolio Committee? Yeah, it's quite daunting. <laughs> and uh, as chairperson of the portfolio committee, I have to ensure uh, that the committee, as mandated by the constitution, facilitate overwork, oversight, and monitor the work of government. So the port- portfolio committees are described as engine rooms within, policy, within parliament's oversight and legislative work. So it is quite a big task, um, you know, because we have to scrutinize and make sure that legislation is passed and we oversee the applications of budget and we interact with the public. So as a chairperson, my work is to make sure that we focus and drive the work of committee to meet that mandate. And thinking about that mandate, the responsibilities in Parliament, quite extensive. One of the things that we hear often from a, let's say, gender equality principles is how to achieve a, an adequate work-home-life balance and still develop your career. As a successful woman who's worked hard to, to build your career, what's your perspective of this and let's say, what is your secret source in being able to manage it? It is definitely a balancing act, you know, between your family life, your community life and building a career. Although as a politician, you know, your progression is more organic because you go through the organization, you know, you don't, I don't actually view it as a career. So we don't always succeed in getting that balance right, as there are many competing demands on time and commitments. Usually it is the family time that is sacrificed in order to meet the community and political commitments. You know, I remember my late son saying to me when he found me at home one day when he wasn't expecting me to be there, and he came and he said, Mom, I think you're messing with our mind because, you know, they're so used to us being out there, never being home, 
just popping in, sleeping out, you know, that type of thing. But I think having a supportive spouse and family unit has seen me weather, you know, those storms of a very busy schedule of community and political work. So I think for me, that is my sort of silver bullet. You know, it helps me, it helps me um, do what I do, you know, knowing that I have that support. And talking about doing what you do, can you share with us some of the challenges that you feel are perhaps exacerbated by being a woman and being a a member of parliament? I think it can all be summed up in time. You know, there's just never enough hours in the day uh, to do to be a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a lover, a gardener, a cook, you know, and uh, to do the work, the very important work of parliament, to carry on with your political work, you know. So I think uh, that for me is a challenge, you know, in order to like sort of eat the elephant one bite at a time to use a cliche, you know, because there's so much to do, one can become overwhelmed. And I think a big challenge is that when you go to Parliament for the first time, you have so much to learn. There's so much that you have to take in and then to be given a responsibility of chairing a committee, you know, of uh, being one of the leaders in Parliament. Um, You're sort of anxious because you're scared of making mistakes, but you learn that being well-read and well prepared, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that, um, that anxiety that you have. But I think to sum it up, you know, it's time. Time is the most precious commodity which we have to manage in order to, to make it through the day. Yes, it's the one resource that you cannot regenerate. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Earlier, you spoke about the the progression from a a political point of view that things were quite organic as you rise through the organization and then take on more responsibility. What led you to pursue a path in politics in the first place? From school days, I um, I was involved with, with being a student activist, and then later, uh, as an adult, I became involved in civic structures, such as our residence association and community policing uh, fora, you know, so it sort of led from there, and when I then uh, became involved in the ANC in the 1990s, I, you find that that morphed sort of into you're taking on political leadership. And um, yeah, and yeah, it's, that's the way I sort of became involved in politics. How do you think we can encourage more women to get involved in politics? And if I use the example earlier, for instance, when we were talking about the diversity and the representation of women in the current portfolio committee that you chair, that out of 11, only three are women, And yes, that does speak to different political parties and the fact that they don't have any kind of gender mandate or or parity policies in place. So if we have more women entering politics, 
that is one way of being able to override the diversity factor or the, let's say counteract the um, the low representation of women. So how do you think we can encourage more women to take the baton and pursue a career in politics? I think we must uh, start with with a girl child, um, focusing on on education and making sure that girls stay in school. Um, We also need to encourage them to take up leadership positions from school, you know, and not allow the boys to be the class representatives and the prefects, et cetera. And I, I mean, even there, I think gender parity should be encouraged. And obviously to teach young girls at an early age and mentor them and encourage them to advocate for their rights and to fight for gender equity in the the school and in their social life, um, whether they attend church or or not, you know, to always be conscious of, of that responsibility that we have as women to make sure that there is the next woman, the, my brother, my sister, my, my grandchild, my, you know, that women generally have a, have a better chance than we have had. So it's a socialization process and something that we all have to keep pushing uh, yes. as individuals and as people on the periphery, as supporters. Yeah. Accelerating the rate of change to advance equality and empowerment, I think, is a burning issue. And one of the things that has has come into a couple of conversations that we've had in the past with previous politicians or lecturers who, or rather university professors who are involved in the political side, is to try to utilize fiscal policy as a mechanic to accelerate change by directing the way expenditure takes place in order to benefit women. Because every year, government receives new budgets. And how that money is spent, realistically, can affect women's lives. So as a member of parliament, what are some of your views on this point? And what else do you think we can do to drive real change for gender equality? I think that... um... When government departments come to portfolio committees to account for their budget spend, we request them to account for what procurement was made from women-owned companies, the spend in rural and marginalized uh, communities, because that's where you find women, you know, struggling to survive. So... You know, the dictum of when you invest in a woman, you invest in her community, you could invest in a district, you invest in the broader society. Um, Because we know that when you empower a woman, she will pass that investment and dividends back into her community and improves the lives of others in her community. 
We also have to monitor as portfolio committees, we have to monitor women representation in management structures of government departments. And we have to ask the hard questions because, you know, normally the numbers look good generally in government departments. But if you go and you drill down, you'll see that those are at lower positions and um, not where decisions and high level um, implementation takes place. So I think it's incumbent on portfolio committees and us as women in portfolio committees to make sure that those hard questions are asked so that we make sure that women are benefiting and and there is a constant improvement, no matter how small, that there is an improvement in uh, gender parity. This reminds me of almost going back to our earlier part of the conversation where we were talking about almost the the monitoring effects of having targets in place so that we've got a benchmark that we can keep tracking progress to hold people, entities uh, to account. For instance, if we've got a 40% procurement policy in place, if we've got a specific gender fund in place, that it's really about being able to monitor, track, and maintain this as a benchmark. I think track is the most important thing that you've said there because we find that that, uh, departments come to portfolio committees and, you know, the same sort of report is given and there's very little referring back to the last, your last response in terms of your gender spend, in terms of women in management positions. So so we always have to make sure that there is improvement and call departments out if there's not, you know, because I think it's in the implementation of, 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 of policy that we can make the advances that needs to be made because you can you can decide that there's a policy for 40% procurement from women-owned businesses, but the implementation is at the level of the departments of implementation. So as the president said in, I think it's 2020 SONA, you know, that some departments have applied the policy so where's the responsibility on the rest of the departments to, to apply the policy and how much strides have they made towards the 40%? So it's about tracking it and holding people accountable. True. Implementation is where the, the rubber hits the road. Today, we're talking to Ms. Judy Hermans, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition. She is a Member of Parliament and represents the African National Congress. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ms. Hermans, annually, the World Economic Forum publishes a Global Gender Gap Index, which benchmarks the current state and evolution of gender parity across four key dimensions. So in many ways, as we've just been talking now, looking at 
what is tracking so that we can monitor and move ahead. And they address economic participation and opportunity, educational attainment, health and survival, and political empowerment. To date, the global gender gap has been closed by 68%, and the current rate of progress indicates that it'll be 132 years to reach full parity. So unfortunately, neither you or I will be around at that point. But in terms of the political empowerment gender gap, this is looking at taking 155 years and the economic participation and opportunity gap, 151 years. So being a politician and being actively involved in the trade and industry sector, what are some of the steps that you think can be done to meaningfully increase women's participation in these spaces? As far as economic participation and opportunity is concerned, I think in every government department, the opportunities consisting of women empowerment programs and budget allocation targeting women. Very few Black people in South Africa have inherited wealth, and therefore these opportunities must be grabbed with both hands. It is our responsibility as public representatives to make sure that the word gets out there, that opportunities available from government reaches all marginalized and poor communities and women in small rural dorpies and towns. We have to ensure that every government department has meaningful outreach programs in all these areas and that the necessary follow-up support is available. So it's not just about going there, putting the information out there. We must make sure that women are empowered to take up those opportunities and then make sure that they have the tools, they have what it takes to take it to the next level. That woman selling tomatoes on the street, how can she grow her business? The women who are selling fat cook, how can she work towards opening a little eatery. You know, it's up to us. The, 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 the opportunities are there in government. But we find that departments pay lip service to community outreach. You'll find that departments are in the big cities, as Gauteng, Cape Town, KwaZulu-Natal, and that the smaller towns in Northern Cape, in Uppington, in Pitsonavata, in, you know, small rural towns in Mpumalanga and the Free State. Word doesn't get there. So it is for us as public representatives to make sure that when they speak about outreach, that it's meaningful outreach. It must be outreach that empowers women to take up opportunities that are there. And obviously, it's not only opportunities in, the, in government. There are opportunities in the private sector also that government networks can set up and put women on a trajectory to improve their lives, you know, the lives of their family and their communities. As far as educational attainment is, I think, you know, girls are are faced with challenges for the continue, continued education because 
We know that we have very high teenage pregnancy rates. And then girls leave school. They don't always return to school, although government policy is that girls must return. They have a right to return to school. We have girls who miss school days because they don't have sanitary towels during their menstrual cycle. They also have added responsibilities that the patriarchal system that we are in places them in where they are cooking and cleaning and taking care of siblings and which makes their task to continue their education so much more difficult. So I think to have programs in government and in community-based organization to assist the girl child in these um, endeavors and these challenges that she has uh, to continue her education is paramount. You know, poor households are struggling to survive from month to month and are mostly dependent on social grants, do not have money to spend on medical expenses, medical aids. So I think it makes it so so much more difficult for health and survival to be maintained at the level where it is healthy for for the for the girl child for the woman and i suppose for the whole household so the the closer we can get to closing the gap the poverty gap where we have so many rich people and majority of us poor and struggling you know so that we can all enjoy uh, equal access to health um i think in it in, in political empowerment i've spoken already about gender parity policies in across political organization and that that women must be given the opportunity across all stratas of societies to have equal opportunities because we find even in the African National Congress, although according to our constitution, women, um, we have the zebra, as you've uh, spoken before, 50, 50% representation of women in, in ANC structures. We find that they still mostly occupy deputy positions. You know, they're not taking those positions. You are a deputy to a man. And um, even though, so I think that even the 50-50 policy has its own, um, it's not a perfect system because you still find that women take the back seat, you know, and are given portfolios maybe that are more of a social nature that is, you know, not the, the ones that deals with finance, etc. you know, the, the, the big ticket ones. So I think that, we need to, as a society, I think, work towards gender parity in, on all those fronts because, yeah, it's a lot of work that needs to be done. It, it certainly is. We've got a 150-odd years ahead of us to try and make this, this progress. But for me, one of the core elements that came out of what you were saying is that we've 
tend to have opportunities, but they are not uh, necessarily accessible by every single person in society that we are. It's an unequal distribution to access, whether it's from rich, poor, whether it is looking at metropoles versus rural areas. And that seems to be the core challenge, that we are not able to have equal access to these opportunities. And without that, we're still going to be a bit behind the curve. True. You're right. Today, we're talking to Ms. Judy Hermans, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition. She is a Member of Parliament and represents the African National Congress. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ms. Hermans, we're coming towards the end of our conversation today. And one question that I ask all my guests on the show is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success. So some people will speak about perseverance or hard work or a particular person in their life. In your opinion, what would you say have been some of the factors that have contributed to your success? I think, um, yeah, I think being uh, from a very early age through um, the, my mother's community work, always being active in the community despite the hard life that she had. Um, I feel that that has sort of awoken in all of us. We are five girls in the family. All of us are strong women involved in their communities. So I think the fact that, um, yeah, that we have that we have tried to do the best that we can. But I think the fact that I managed to get a degree and that I managed to to follow where life led me, you know, in, to be eventually a, a chairperson in parliament. I think that has sort of shaped where I, where, where I ended up. Important achievement. And within that space, looking at your background, having your mom's influence on community development, you going further and having an impact on a larger aspect of society. Can you tell us about some of the special moments in your life growing up? Yeah, I think the pivotal moments for me, I think, is to do with matriculating in a in a township in Cape Town where, you know, there was a lot of gangsterism growing up in a society where there was not an, an emphasis on, on education. So I think matriculating and graduating and then for me, I think the pivotal moment in my life was sort of becoming a mother and then later grandmother and then being elected to leadership structures, I think, and eventually becoming a parliamentarian, you know. So I think those are, are what I would say are my highlights, my pivotal moments. Strong moments indeed. And as we close out our conversation today, please, can you use this platform to share a few words of wisdom with women and girls that are listening to the show today? Well, I can say be brave and take risks. 
don't forget where you came from and be honest with yourself and others. Those are the dictums by which I live. It's brought me to be a chair of a portfolio committee in parliament and I think it can help anybody to become a leader in society and eventually in government. Thank you for sharing your ingredients with us. We do appreciate it. And thank you for joining the show today. It was a pleasure. I hope that I've I've nudged one girl to say, I can do it too. Good luck out there. Work hard. Thank you very much for this opportunity. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Ms. Judy Hermans, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Trade, Industry and Competition. She is a Member of Parliament and represents the African National Congress.